Welcome back to The Scorecard with Barry Cronin and Mike Esposito, presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine on Chicago's Sports Radio 670, The Score, and Odyssey Station. And we are back on The Scorecard, Hour 2, here on The Score, presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine. It's Barry Cronin. It's Mike Esposito. We are here with you every Saturday morning. From 6 to 8, and a uh, beautiful day dawning here, Barry. I think we're a little past dawn, but uh be a nice day to get on out and uh, and hit some golf balls, and we hope you do just that. Sure would, Mike. And, you know, that was Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Did you know that uh, Stephen Stills is from the Tampa Bay area? Who, who knew I, that? I figured it had to be because, as we like to do each and every week here, we like to play you uh, songs from the region uh, that the tour is at uh, this weekend, and the tour is... In Tampa, in the Tampa Bay area, there with the Valspar Championship at Innisbrook Resort, and uh, so that I, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, wait a second, wouldn't that be like the whole Southern California folk rock '60s thing that uh, you know all those bands came out of? But I guess, see, I did not know that Stephen Stills came from Tampa, so I didn't. That's I'm learning yeah, something. He, he did, you know, he got and he hooked up with those other guys, like you know, David Crosby was from California. But anyway, listen, that's beside. Uh, yeah, great. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna go down to Tampa Bay right now, and uh, to our buddy Steve Burkowski, Mike, and I'll let you do the formal introduction. Yeah, you're no, the, you're the radio guy, my we, friend. We, there you go. We appreciate <laughs> it. We we have Steve joining us in the Alpamani Nissan Hotline. Alpamani Nissan is in Melrose Park on North Avenue or APNissan.com. Follow him on Twitter at at s Burkowski GC uh, from Golf Channel. Steve Burkowski. Hey, Steve. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Morning, Steve. Thanks so much for being uh, with us. Uh, it was great to see you this week down at uh, down at the empty press room at the uh, at the Valspar Championship. Uh, I, I was just amazed at how uh, man some of these events don't get a lot of uh, don't get a lot of attention, uh, just as they don't uh, in Chicago because we don't have golf writers at the Tribune or the Sun Times anymore. It's crazy. Yeah, the world has changed, Barry. Great to see you as always. Uh, you know, in this covid world of covering the pga tour you know many of the writers quite simply don't have the same access you know they've had in years past so these players get on zoom calls and do this and you know as companies cut costs you can look at transcripts you can watch a video but uh nonetheless the pga tour is playing guys and it's almost been a year since they've been back and uh, yeah maybe i'm biased but i think they've done it as well as uh, any sports organization out there no, I, I agree with you 100% on that, Steve. And, uh, you know, for folks at home who don't quite you know, understand, it used to be, you know, the player would sign his scorecard and maybe do a little TV interviews with a little scrum, you know, which a scrum means maybe 10 or 15 people outside of the uh, scoring uh, uh, trailer and or tent or whatever and talk to guys and uh, and then maybe even go into the to the press room and, and talk to, uh, to people, uh, in a, in a, in a group interview, but now they take the player to a separate room and you have to log into this zoom call and you see, you see the guy on a, on a TV screen. So if you're a reporter, there's no reason to necessarily go out to the tournament, um, because you can't see the people in person and you can't get a you know a guy one on one corner him over the side or whatever so you just sit, you could sit on your couch at home and do this job it's crazy but anyway that's my complaint for the world <laughs> well, and, but, and Steve, uh, Steve, isn't that part of the, I know uh, from the reporting side of it, right? When you're covering these events and you're in person, you're actually down there 
at the the Valspar Championship, part of part of the job and really part of of what you're trying to do is is get to know the players, build relationships with the players, so that some of these, as Barry mentions, you know, the random, you know, off the cuff conversation about whatever that actually a lot of that is where your actual news comes from. A lot of your stories come from. Home run, Mike, 100%. And when people ask me, how do you do this job? How do you do it well? And I said 80, 90% of it's relationships. I've been at the Golf Channel over 21 years now, so I've been able to develop some pretty good relationships on the PGA Tour and, quite honestly, every level of uh, golf that we cover. And it is that innocuous conversation, maybe on the range, or, hey, you know, you got four drivers here. What's going on? And maybe you find a little information or drop a nugget about what a player is working on or sort of what we would lean heavily on through the years Wednesday pro-am let's just say it's Rory McIlroy he hits his tee shot he waits for his four amateur partners to hit in front of him well we go out and grab a quick two-minute interview that was sort of our bread and butter of where the tee times a b c d and we're done well we can't do that anymore no one can do that anymore of quote-unquote, jumping into their bubble to grab a quick soundbite or a quick live to tape. So uh, luckily, again, the relationships may shoot a text or get a call or et cetera, but uh, we've all had to get a little creative, think a little differently. Now we are fortunate as one of the television partners to be able to say, okay, hey, we're going to request like this week, Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas and Paul Casey, the back-to-back defending champ here at Valspar, so we know we're going to get a handful of the people that the fans at home want to hear from. But um, like everyone in this world, you know, you got to do it differently. You got to adjust. And my big concern when we get through this, and, and hopefully we're near the end, will it go back to that? You know, uh, will we have the access uh, to go nestle up to somebody on the range? I, I'm very curious six months or a year from now, how much of what we're doing today, May 1st, 2021, is going to stay the same on the PGA Tour? Big question for me. Don't have the answer. Yeah. And, Steve, uh, one thing I just wanted to bring out to the listeners that you talk about building relationships, and you, uh, like like others on the Golf Channel, but you, I think, uh, are unique in the sense that you cover these young guys at a collegiate level, um, you know, with your own coverage, because you cover a lot of the amateur events and you cover the college, et cetera. And I think, you know, getting to know the, the young guys, the guys when they're younger, before they get into the whole PGA Tour um, lifestyle where they've got their physio and they've got their manager and you have to go through the agent to talk to them for five minutes, it drives you crazy. Um, you know, you, you have established something earlier on with them. And then I think, you know, your uh, viewers of the Golf Channel, I think probably sense that, that you and, and a number of other your, uh, guys on the, on the station uh, just do on the, on the network do just such a great job of that. So that's my uh, compliment for the day. Um, but well, meanwhile, I appreciate it. I'll yeah. Take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But listen, as long as we have you on the phone, let's talk about a couple things that, that, that are going on this week. Uh, Mickelson uh, misses the cut, and so does Patrick Reed, but it's more relevant for Phil because um, he's going to need an exemption in order to get in to play the U.S. Open this year. Um, what do you foresee on that, and what's going on with that? Tell us. Give us an update. Yeah, well, you know, Phil, if you watched the broadcast yesterday, was sort of indifferent and then rattles off three straight birdies on the back nine. You say, okay, he's going to find a way to make it to the weekend. 
bogey 16, hits it off the map on 18, and, you know, is headed home early. And he met with the media, and we were up there, and he was indifferent. You could tell he didn't want to do it. The answers were short. He was obviously frustrated. And then it sort of opened up, and it sort of caught us all off guard where he talked about an inability to focus on the golf course. Mm-hmm. and that it was a physiological kind of thing. He's 50 years of age. He's met with experts and doctors, and he had his sunglasses on, so you couldn't tell. But there was certainly a sense of frustration of, as he gets older, and these are his words, paraphrasing, that he just has these three or four whole lulls where he just can't focus. And yeah. you, you, could, you could tell he was – he maybe had one of those moments coming in, coming down the stretch where he bogeys two of the last three, you know, on the snake pit. So that is a challenge to the U S open aspect. Here's a guy that has been a runner up in that major six different occasions. If he could ever win it, he'd complete the career grand slam. And he's well outside the top 60, that magic number to get an invite. So he said, he's going to play next week at quail hollow. Then the PGA championship he basically needs to win maybe a couple of top fives to get up there. And he's sort of said, hey, if they offer me a special invitation, I might not take it. Well, it's at Torrey Pines in La Jolla. He's a San Diego kid. He's won that tournament three times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Phil always wants to earn his way. And he had the same conversation last year at Pebble Beach before the world changed of, gosh, would you accept an invite? Well, all the qualifying was altered because of COVID-19, and he was able to get in on his world ranking. Well, now he's outside the top 100. You know, there's that big elephant in the room wondering, will Phil ever get another chance? Let me tell you, he's one of the all-time greats to ever play this game. If Phil's taking the high road, wonderful. If they, and I say they, the USGA, offers him a special invitation, which I do believe they should. Of course. Of course. Of you, course. You, you've got to take it. Would it be poetic justice at 51 during that week that he would get the job done? The way he's playing, it's a tall task, but by golly, he's done so much for this game that, Phil, it's all, it's all right to get a freebie once in a while. Right. You've earned it. Right. No. And 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 you know what? Yeah, Steve, we we talked about this. I remember Barry going back to last season and I forget the tournament, but he after the first two rounds, he was a co-leader or something. And we talked about Phil defying, uh, you know, the the aging process. And, you know, here he is at 50, you know, leading a tournament. Um, But, you know, it is absolutely an interesting experiment and not an experiment. It's Phil's career. But, you know, to see and to really track because and I was surprised to see those comments, too, because really, uh, yesterday, you don't normally get that uh, uh, frankness, right? I mean, you don't expect him to come out and say, hey, by the way, you know, I, I guess maybe this is part of getting old and I, and I can't focus as well as I used to. You don't expect to hear Phil Mickelson say that to you. Yeah, it, it caught us all off guard because the first four, five, six answers with the few of the riders up there were, were, were short, were brief. You could tell he was disappointed and, and sort of the can opened up and you were like, oh my goodness. Um, you know, and that's Phil. Phil never leaves any stone unturned, whether it's his body, his game, equipment. Phil is a very well-read individual on so many topics. And I want to throw this in as we have this conversation. Here's a guy that's won 40-plus times, five major championships, 
Consider the fact that the bulk of his success came in the Tiger Woods era. I make the argument that Phil doesn't get enough credit for what he has accomplished in 30 years on the PGA Tour, where a good portion of that was going head-to-head against Tiger. If ifs and buts were candies and nuts, Phil might have 50 or 55 tour wins and maybe a few more majors. I think it really is remarkable because we all talk about how Tiger changed the game and what he did to Ernie Els and David Duvall and Vijay Singh. Phil is the one guy that sort of came out on the other side of it when you just look at numbers and say, that's a hell of a career. That's a top 10 all-time career. So it's, it's full circle of give this guy the, the you know special exemption and – you know, we'll see if he takes it. God, I, I, if someone gives it to you, I, I don't see how you turn it down. But that's just my, well, my opinion he, on that. He, he, he would have to. I mean, you think about it. Hale Irwin won the U.S. Open in 1990 at Medina. He had gotten a, a special exemption to play at the age of 46. And, uh, you know, 50 is the new uh, 35, I think, uh, Steve. And especially when Phil's drinking that coffee and all, all those California Fountain of Youth potions that he, that he, that he drinks. Um, and, you know, I have to say, especially when you think about the fact that Tom Watson almost won the British Open when he was 59. I mean, okay, maybe Phil blacks out for uh, three holes and has a senior moments. But on the other hand, uh, what if he doesn't have those one week and, and he does uh, play? And I agree with you. His whole, his whole career has been played in the shadow. Huge, huge shadow of Tiger Woods. He, like, like Ernie Els and like some of the other guys you mentioned, would have had such unbelievable careers. But for Tiger, so, I mean, not that, and you, as you said, Phil had it, did have an unbelievable career and probably is, certainly is worthy of a, of a special exemption. Um, let yeah, me ask one, you. Th- the one ahead. thing, let me quickly jump in, where, where these special invitations have been given out, we're, we're talking about 50 or so. Uh, to about 30 different players through the years, most of them, most of them have gone to former U.S. Open champions. you got to go back uh-huh. to 05 when Nick Price was the last one. So if there's a little caveat, hey, let's be honest, Jack Nicklaus got eight of them. You know, right. so, the, you know, I'm splitting hairs there, but if someone's listening saying, well, gosh, he never won it, why should he get one? You can make a legitimate case there, but I think uh, – an invitation would like uh, from that would be a big picture kind of thing. Just wanted to throw that in. Yeah, I think Tommy Roy'd be pretty happy if Phil got a, got a special exemption too. Oh um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the other thing was that I thought was interesting yesterday. I was wanted to get your take on this. Was a uh, Cure Deck Oppie Barnhart. Wow, I'm proud of proud of myself that I could say that name. Well done. Uh, I, I know you're a broadcaster, so you know how to do it, Steve. But so this is a young guy from Thailand. He he looks like a lot of American golfers. Like you know, he's 30 pounds overweight and he's five foot eight and he weighs 229 or whatever, and he hits it and he hits and he's like a hero. You know, he's my hero. So he hits it up in the tree, second shot on a par five, flares it into a tree. And the ball does not come down out of the tree. And, you know, this has happened to me playing golf and others. And they, they, they quote, unquote, found the ball stuck in the tree. And they had, this took, what, this took a long time. Tell the rest of the story, Steve. Yeah, it's on the par 5.11, flares it up there. And everyone's like, well, we never saw it come down. They bring in the rules official. And apparently, you know, they had the binoculars and they said, well, we can't get there. But, you know, we see your identification 
on the golf ball. So I'll be darned. Okay, it's not a lost ball. You don't have to go all the way back to the tee. We can take an unplayable. Well, he he takes the unplayable, and then he almost basically hits it out of bounds left on the par. Oh yeah, 11. that's that was the other thing. And yeah, ma- magically it comes back into play, and the guy makes an all-world six. It seemed like he hit it ten times, <laughs> and consider the fact he got in late where uh, in a withdraw you know a withdrawal situation. He was on the alternate list. No offense to Kiradesh. He wouldn't have been in that Patrick Reed, Phil Mickelson, Marquee grouping, uh, and he had his struggles on his back nine. That was sort of the beginning of of a run of going the wrong way, and uh, I think he shot 39 coming in and and missed the cut. But it was – you're watching it, and to your point, Barry, was like, God, we've all been there. Hit it right, hit it left, hit it in the tree. And at the end, he just makes bogey. And you're like, that's why these guys are so much different than – Joe golfer at home because we would do that and we'd make eight or nine. I mean, it seemingly took forever. And by the way, that happened quite a bit throughout that day. Even Patrick Reed had some issues. Phil was a little hot under the collar of like, okay, guys, let's, let's hit some fairways. Let's pick up the pace. By the way, Phil (laughs) barely hit any fairways, (laughs) but but it goes, it goes to the whole thing of what Phil alluded to the focus issue. Like, Hey guys, like, you know, sometimes it just happens where a group hits it everywhere and it wears on everyone. Surprise, surprise, all three of those guys missed the cut. Well, Steve, Steve, we really appreciate your time this morning. We are out of time, but uh, we'll check you out on Golf Channel and uh, uh, enjoy the uh, rest of the uh, Valspar uh, Championship this weekend. Will do, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Steve. That is appreciate it. Steve Burkowski from Golf Channel, uh, as Barry said, covers everything from College kids to the pros, the amateurs, and uh, some interesting stuff there with Phil Berry. We are up against a break, though, so let me take that. Uh, we do have uh, Bill Abrams coming up. We have uh, a giveaway coming up. We'll do that uh, in the next segment, and wow. uh, we'll continue to talk there uh, about the Valspar Championship. It is the scorecard presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine. Barry Cronin, Mike Esposito, here on 670 The Score. And we are back on the scorecard on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. And I know this one, Barry, Matchbox 20 is definitely Florida. (laughs) And uh, Rob Thomas, uh, I guess you could uh, go Rob Thomas solo too. But uh, as the tour is down in Tampa this weekend, Florida Rockers Matchbox 20 bring us back to the segment uh, here (laughs) on the scorecard. I remember hearing those when my kids were young, yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. This uh, that was about 20 years ago. That was a, a popular. That was that's what the kids were playing those days, Barry. But uh, darn right. Now now they're just oldies, and uh, and here we are. Speaking of oldies, it's uh, Barry and Mike here with you every Saturday morning on 670 The Score. Uh, and I mentioned before the break, we we have a little contest, and we do. We have we have uh, a giveaway. So here's how you win. It's the uh, through the CDGA website. Log on to cdga.org/contest. Uh, that will let you register to win a CDGA season starter pack. Lots of cool stuff in there. You will get an imperial hat, towel, and zero friction super tube with Spectrum at balls, tees, and a universal fit glove. Everything you need to start the season. So head on out to the CDGA website, cdga.org/contest. To win that cool season starter pack. Sounds pretty awesome. 
It's pretty good. And uh, just uh, as somebody who uh, I played those uh, zero friction balls, you know, the people, it's kind of a, not as well known as, you know, Titleist and Callaway and Bridgestone and everything, but they're really good balls. Uh, and they've got that matte finish on them. So I really enjoyed mm-hmm. playing them. Um, you know, I hadn't played them much, but I, I wound up playing them uh, last year. And so they were really good. So it's worth doing. The other thing is the towel is like awesome. Uh, somebody got me one of those CDGA towels, and it's like, uh, man, you know, you could take a shower and, and dry off with it. It's so big, it's, but it's really. Uh, and the terry cloth is very good, you know, for uh, for uh, cleaning cleaning your ball and your clubs, etc. It's a great thing to have on your back. Yeah, so head on head on over to the CDGA website, cdga.org/contest, uh, and enter to win that prize pack. Uh, you will not be disappointed. So, uh, we, we've covered lots and we've been, uh, we, we've just, uh, talked, we could have talked another 15 minutes to Steve Burkowski from golf channel. Um, that Phil stuff was really interesting. I thought, especially the stuff, cause I thought the exact same thing watching last night, those comments from Phil about not being able to focus and, you know, maybe it's a thing with the age and stuff like that. That is not that is not normal, you know, athlete speak, regardless of sport. Uh, as, as Steve said, you know, you normally get your cliched 10-second, 12-second answer with, um, you know, the, the usual sound bites that we all know and that we've all heard a million times. Phil kind of went off script there and uh, maybe let us behind the curtain a little bit. Right. You know, he's so, such an articulate person. Um, and... Uh, and, you know, you do get some level of transparency from him. He, he's very self-aware. He's aware of the media, et cetera. And, um, you know, I think at one point or another, he's kind of like, you know, is it going to hurt him really to, to, to tell people what's going on? And I think he's, you know, I think he's he's understanding that this this generation is that people talk about everything. I mean, but with social media, I mean, you know, he's pretty good on Twitter sure. and, and, and Instagram, you know, he's got pictures of his, uh, of his calf muscles and everything on there. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, so it is a, a level of transparency that we, you know, we don't really hear like that's something you would never would hear from Tiger Woods. Tiger is so closed. He tells you nothing. He sits mm-hmm. in it. He's like, um, you know, he, he doesn't really tell you anything that's that's really real about him. You know, no matter how long he sits there, um, he doesn't reveal any emotions. Hard, I mean, ever. <laughs> no matter how much uh, they try to make him uh, emote a little bit, he does not go there. Whereas Phil, you know, he he has, and uh, mm-hmm. and I think that's why people like him. Yeah, no, I I agree, and and I think a lot of people uh, that have. Followed Phil's career, as, as Steve mentioned, you know, a 30-year career, one of the best all-time careers that anyone has ever had and, and celebrated the ups and downs uh, with Phil Mickelson. If nothing else, right, I mean, so he missed the cut at the Valspar Championship, and, and it's not, uh, you know, the uh, wonderful showing that you'd expect from a, from a big name like Phil Mickelson, but as he gets up there in age and as he's dealing with all this stuff, you know, he, he, as they say, he's keeping it real. He's letting you know he's he's not, uh, you know, answering you and, and, you know, the cliched answers. He's actually giving you a little bit, uh, and uh, I think people do appreciate that. Well, I think a lot of the guys, uh, tour players, who are in their late 40s and who are playing well, you know, like a Vijay Singh was back in the day, um, they, they sort of resist this idea about, uh, you know, when they turn 50, they want to stay 
on the regular tour. They don't want to go to the Champions mm-hmm. Tour, um, which they view as sort of a, a, of, a, of a, obviously a step down. You know, just in terms of the and Phil's talked about it. The pin placements are much easier on the uh, on the Champions Tour, and uh, just the the conditions are just a little bit easier. And uh, a lot of guys resist that. They want to stay on the PGA Tour because you know they they think maybe there's a fountain of youth and maybe they can continue to compete against those guys. And uh, and then finally they just say they throw their hands up and they say, you know what, I I just can't compete with these young dudes who are hitting it so far off the tee and they're just so good. Um, and then they go to the Champions Tour and they say. I'll never go back. I love it. I love right. playing on the Champions Tour. They'll play occasionally on the PGA Tour, but uh, but they they come to say, you know what, this is where I belong, and I, I I sort of hate to. I think we we all sort of would hate to see Phil, you know, going out and playing in the, you know, not that those events are bad, but you know, they're just not the same. You know, the Insperity Classic or whatever it is. You know, you, right. uh, it's just kind of not the same. So. Well, and, and it strikes me, Barry, as, as uh, we talk about something like this, that, you know, the evolution of sport and really, you know, when you talk about golf, I mean, you remember when, when Tiger first hit the scene in the mid to late 90s and he was the only one bombing the ball like it like it uh, is done routinely now as, you know, where Tiger oh, was yeah. the only guy. Now it's everybody. And it's like, holy cow. And that's that's 20, 25 years, whatever it is exactly, uh, you know. But it's 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 not quite one generation of the game, and you went from Tiger being the anomaly to Tiger being just one of the group. Yeah, well, right, and and I think Phil's problem is, uh, yeah, he just can't he just can't keep it in the fairway, and he's always playing out of the rough, right. and he's, you know, it just he just makes it it's not easy golf, and uh, you know maybe that's why he's losing concentration. It's just not fairway green, and then occasionally when you miss something. Uh, you have to rely on your short game. You know, when you're relying on your short game on every hole or almost every hole, it it it's really hard not to make bogeys. You know, because you're going to miss putts. You're not going to get, you know, you're not going to make every ten footer you look at. So, um, you know, that's just that's a problem for him. And uh, but I do think that the USGA, of course, will invite him to play because he is box office. You know, there's a sure. reason that when when he's when when he's like you know eight shots behind on a Saturday or a Sunday that CBS is there saying hey what's Phil you know and Jim Nance is saying hey if there's Phil Mickelson you know right and just to because people a they know who he is you know they know who he is they know who Tiger is there's a few other guys that they know and then they don't know who Xander Schauffele is as you know right. God bless him he's such a great player but people right. you know, he's not, he's got a weird name and people don't know who he is so well and and I'm thinking as you're talking there Barry you know especially with golf I mean the one-named guys. I mean, he he has gotten to that level. He is one right. of the one-named guys. There's Tiger. There's Phil. There's Jack. There's Arnie. You know, I mean, there's a, a handful right. of guy of those guys, and he is one of those. And it's exactly right. That is why they 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 do what they do, and that's why they would be smart to uh, to invite him there. We do need to take a break. Uh, we have our swing thoughts segment coming up. Our final segment of the show. The Illinois PGA Teacher of the Year, Bill Abrams, will join us when we return here on The Scorecard on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Oh. There's nothing that says Florida Barry Cronin more than J- Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett, even though he's an Alabama native. I don't know if you know that, but we, we, we've expanded because really... 
We took a look at the uh, Tampa Bay area, and uh, there's not that many people from the Tampa Bay area that achieved well, a lot in music I, that I know of. Aaron Carter. No, I, I he was on the list, but I the Backstreet Boys. Aaron Carter. That that goes to yeah. our, our our producer Adam Sadzinski. I know he loves the the Backstreet Boys. So that, so that <laughs> <laughs> he was I threatening kid, to play some. <laughs> he was threatening to play some heavy metal uh, thing. A group that. Of course, I never heard of, but that that even he said even Mark Grody had probably not even heard of it. But. All right, and, and well, guys, I, I I will say I was actually more of an NSYNC fan back in the day. Okay, so, so there wow. you go, the, the I'm Battle I'm of the impressed. Boy Bands. I'm well, impressed. I, I I have I I think we can place Margaritaville in Florida. I think we can do that. I, I think, think that's so. logical. I think so. We yeah. we are here on we are here on the scorecard. That's Barry Cronin. I'm Mike Esposito. This segment presented by Chicago District Golfer magazine and uh we hope to be joined here by uh bill abrams the illinois pga teacher of the year we'll hope to get hey, bill well, on the horn l- here in a moment M- mike as long as we have a minute sure i thought i would it, you know i'd be remiss if i didn't uh, mention some of the other courses we we talked about ravislow making the uh sure. the golf week list and i really should run down because there's 15 of these and i i hope it doesn't go too long but number one obviously cog hill number four dubs dread uh, number two, uh, TPC Deer Run, home of the John Deere Classic in Silvis, mm-hmm. Illinois, out in the Quad mm-hmm. Cities. Uh, Stonewall Orchard up in Grays Lake. The Highlands of Elgin in Elgin. And I think Bowes Creek uh, belongs with them, too. It's kind of a, a, a double course out there, in a, a double uh, uh, venue out there in, in Elgin. Then the Glen Club in Glenview. Thunderhawk in Beach Park. Uh, Eagle Ridge, the general course out in Galena. Uh, the Preserve at Oak Meadows uh, in Addison, Weaver Ridge down in Peoria, Mistwood Golf Course in Romeoville, uh, then Ravislow, Cantini Golf out in Wheaton, and that's a wonderful uh, 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 venue out there. Then uh, Harborside International, the Starboard Course, they have uh, two courses. And uh, and then uh, Mount Prospect, which is fabulous in Mount uh, out in Mount Prospect, and mm-hmm. then Prairie Landing in West Chicago. So those are the names of the courses that that are on the list. And everybody uh, debates these lists. Uh, I debate the lists. I say who in the name of God would would put that course on there. Um, but uh, you know the lists are the lists, so it's good to know. And I think it's I think some of these don't typically get recognized, like a Prairie Landing. That's a cool course that people don't hear about. And Mount Prospect, uh, you know, used to be a little country club uh, out there, and then Dave Esler came in a number of years ago and renovated it. Did really cool greens uh, that are kind of based on uh, you know the original. Uh, 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 holes, uh, you know, back from St. Andrews and, and different places, uh, uh, you know, yeah. So uh, anyway, those are just some of the names of the other courses that uh, that made the list. And doesn't say that your local course isn't any good. And if you uh, if you have a course that you really like, you know, send a text and tell us what it is, and uh, and maybe we'll talk about it someday. Absolutely. Uh, and Barry, we now jump on out to the Alpamonte Nissan Hotline. Alpamonte Nissan is in Melrose Park on North Avenue. Or at APNissan.com, he is the Illinois PGA Teacher of the Year uh, out at Balmoral Woods. It's Bill Abrams joining us on the scorecard. Hey, Bill, good morning. Hey, Barry. Hey, Mike. How you guys doing? Thanks for having me this morning. Doing great. Thanks for being on. And, Bill, this is our segment of Swing Thoughts, where we give our listeners free lessons. And as we know, as you know, there's nothing people love more 
than free lessons and free golf balls. So let's free give golf, them a free, free lesson. Golf, free lessons. You got oh, it. Free, you got free it. golf, free golf and free lessons. Exactly. So Bill, it's the beginning of the season. It's going to be 80. Um, what, 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 what advice do we have to, to help people get started and uh, what should they do? You know, uh, something that everybody, it, it's pretty much a fact in golf. Every golfer will hit a bad shot at some point in time. And, no, that's you know, not, dad, not in my yeah, case, Bill. Yeah, that never this, happens. Never happens. In this <laughs> Yeah, in this data-driven world, it's a certainty, which there's very few certainties <laughs> in life. So, <laughs> And, you know, really, your, your round is defined by the worst shot you hit. And how we deal with that is, um, you know, it, it's, there's varied ways of doing it. But um, a place, a, a way that I've found over time is, um, you know, doing a little post-shot routine. You know, I, I had the great fortune of playing with uh, Orlando Hernandez a few years ago in a pro-am um, El Duque, who was our Bobby Jenks setup man in 2005 and did a sure. fabulous job. He's playing along and he's stewing about a, about a shot that he hit three holes ago. And I said, Duque, I said, let me ask you a question. When you throw a bad pitch, how long does it take you to get off? He goes, three seconds max. I said, why don't we do the same thing in golf? And then the light went on and he played beautifully the rest of the day. Um, that's one of the things we have to watch. So what I suggest to players is that we do a post-shot routine. You know, you hit the bad shot. Um, you know, the post-shot is, is equally as important as the pre. You know, when a bad shot occurs, wait till the ball comes to a stop and simply set up again and make the swing or the putting stroke that you, with the intention that you had on the original one and then hold the pose and stick the finish, you know, for a second or so. And by doing that, you totally – rectify the situation as opposed to looking for everything that went wrong what you're doing is focusing on what you know makes a good shot and i found with players you know of all levels this really helps tons because you know no matter who you are you hit a bad one on the third hole a lot of people are still worrying about in the sixth and seventh and then overreacting to those shots um by just simply doing a little exercise like that over the ball um you know swinging with your intention that you had at full speed, you're going to see, you're going to see a difference in your mindset. It's going to be a lot better. So, so negative emotion and self-loathing aren't, aren't part of this. I, I imagine. Um, I'm going to say that's a negative. <laughs> Barry's game is well, out then. Uh, we'll, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to adjust that there, Barry. So, yeah. Yes. Well, you know, honestly, Bill, I was watching the, uh, uh, the pro, the pro, you know, the uh, PGA professional tournament the other day, and and those guys are all great players, and they get just as emotional and and PO'd as Tiger, you know, when Tiger used to yell uh, bad words on the course, and uh, the way that, uh, you know, uh, I, I, it's just crazy. There's so much negativity of emotion in golf, and I, it's hard to to free yourself from that. But I think what you're describing is a at least some uh, rational way and logical way to free yourself of the negativity that people, I think, naturally have. Absolutely. You really, you know, and people talk about a quiet mind. There's no such thing as a quiet mind. You can organize, you can have an organized mind. You know, you can't control your thoughts. Whatever happens and crosses your mind crosses. It's how you react to that is is really the key to, to mastery, to uh, mastering your mental game. And, you know, we find so many players, you know, people say, oh, don't get upset. Well, if you care, you'll get upset. I, I, that's, that's just right. the, the lamest excuse there is in the world. If you care about something right. and you don't get an outcome you want, you will get upset to some level. It's just how you react to that and not overreacting to it. 
Don't you feel like uh, people, golfers, average golfers, sometimes judge themselves and the quality of their own game by what they see on TV, right? They see the greatest players in the world, and you only see, for the most part, I mean, Thursday, Friday, you get to see a little bit of feature groups who aren't playing great, like yesterday with Mickelson and uh, and Reed. They didn't play great. But if you're watching on the weekend, you're seeing only the guys that are competitive in the tournament, right? The last three or four groups, maybe. And they're playing their best, and you're judging your own game against their game. You don't see all the guys that missed the cut and how they were hacking, you know, like our guy, uh, 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 Appy Barnhart, yesterday. I mean, he was hitting it all over the lot, you know, which is mm-hmm. kind of how we play, right? So I right. can identify with him just chopping all over. Now, obviously, he's a great player. Uh, beyond belief, a great player. But uh, maybe if we weren't judging ourselves by the highest, highest standards of the PGA Tour, we would give ourselves a little bit more of a break. Absolutely. And we have a perfect case study on that. In 97, when Tiger hit it, golf had an outstanding, phenomenal boom of people wanting to get in and wanting to play. About two years later, we, we had an equally big and unimpressive decline in golf. And I think what happened was people watched him and saw how easy he made it. And then they get up there and start hitting shots themselves and realize, oh, my gosh, this isn't that easy. (laughs) And, you know, I think that's a little bit you 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 hit on a great point there, because that's what we we certainly see in golf is, you, you know, you have to your perception of things is you're strictly your perception and not, you know, not what reality is all the time. And I got to imagine, Bill, Bill Abrams is our guest from Balmoral Woods. Uh, when you're talking to your students, whether it's adults, whether it's kids, whatever, there's the there's the physical coaching, right? The, you know, do this yep. with your body, whatever. But there's also the mental stuff that we're talking about. Absolutely. And and without a mix of the of, of them, it's going to be very hard to play your best. You know, you have to you have to, you know, a little bit how you play and how you manage yourself is one of the biggest keys to you being able to play well. If you can, you know, manage the poor, now the, the, the best looks so much better. Bill, you know, the, we had obviously had great momentum in, in the game last year in terms of people playing. And what has that meant for teaching and has that changed your, uh, how, how has it changed your life? How does it change your approach to teaching, if at all? Um, it's just the, the quantity is there. Um, that's the, that's the best part of it. I just got back from uh, my location in Florida a couple weeks ago. And, um, I'm telling you, it was busy, busy, busy. And the biggest, the biggest for the, the game of golf, the bi- two biggest groups that I saw a lot of people were the people right out of college to about 25 getting into the game. And then the 55 to 72 to 75 year olds that hadn't played for a while getting back to the game. So I think, you know, it's, it's something that's, that's very, very good. It hasn't really changed the way I coach so much, but it has changed the way I have to schedule and, and make sure I can get uh, taken care of more people at a time, which is, you know, sometimes it's a, a tough juggling act. Yeah. And, and Bill, uh, as we let you go, we appreciate your time this morning. It's certainly, you know, with, with all of the challenges with the pandemic and hopefully as we come out on the other end, uh, we might do things a little bit differently, but uh, it is, there have certainly been opportunities that have come out of this, and it, it sounds like uh, golf is enjoying some of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, it's our, our business as coaches and instructors and course operators and, and leadership to, to really embrace the players and, and keep them involved and keep them enjoying the game. 
Well, Bill, Bill, we appreciate your time. Uh, your website, as I am looking at it right now, BillAbramsGolf.com. We can check that mm-hmm. out, and we really appreciate uh, you joining us on our Swing Thoughts segment this morning. Hey, guys, thanks so much, and I truly appreciate being on, and have a wonderful day and a wonderful season, all right? Thank you, Bill, very much. That's Bill Abrams from Balmoral Woods. You can check out the website uh, if you'd like to get in contact with Bill. Some good info on there. And, Barry, just like that, uh, we are out of time uh, for this week's edition of the Scorecard. Uh, Appreciate uh, the time today of Bill Abrams, Steve Burkowski, Tracy Raul, Bob Carpenter. And uh, thanks to you, as always, my friend. We will chat with you again next week. Thanks, Mike. I'm going to listen to that Bear special coming up. That's right. So here's here's what we have coming up for you on the score today. We have early odds up next inside the clubhouse from 9 to 11. And then after inside the clubhouse, after David and Bruce get done with you, from 11 to 2, it's a Bears draft special. Mike Mulligan, Mark Grody, Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, three hours of Bears draft breakdown from 11 until 2 right here on 670 score. Our thanks to Adam Studzinski uh, for producing the show. Barry, thanks to you. Uh, I'm Mike Esposito. Stick around. Early Odds is next right here on The Score, 670 Chicago.